He writes and he speaks. However, all that he is, all that you see from him publicly, is like nothing. Lumus mashu problem compared to what he's being poel when you don't see him. When he's hidden. Betzim Haviyoso. Betzim Haviyoso, his very existence, and who he is, and what he's doing by, by who he is, and what's changing in other Jews because of who he is. Achdus, Rav Kook writes in our Palaitoyer, Achdus HaNeshamas, and this is why, obviously, the impact upon other Jews is infinitely more powerful than, than on the rest of the world because of the Achdus and the Shamas, because all Jewish souls are bound together, one, one to the other. So, <clears throat> when one Nishama, when one Nishama is, when one Nishama is, is shining, that light affects the other Nishamas as well, because of Achdus and Nishamas. So if Cook writes, Achtes Hanashamas Mevila de Hakara, as a rayon shall Metsius, Metsius of them Ruchnium, Miss Alam be Ilui Pnimi, Shalos Avadosum have Sharis Leos Mucheshes, Moikir Ha'olam, Kimes Ashbosum Alaziku Kanishmasi. Besides, Rav Cook says in his own poetic way, besides the obvious effect that, that this person has when he is openly teaching and going and speaking and so on and writing, but does the hashpah of zikukad nishmasi of that need that one Jewish soul has for another? Now, to be honest, this also happens in a negative way. when God forbid there's a Jew who is not doing well, it hurts other Jews. But remember the rule in Ruchnius, It's a very important rule to remember always. That what mida toiva is kfulu mechupelas. That when it's something which is tov, it's infinitely greater. It's true that there's a negative hashpah that a person who is doing something that's not right impacts the Jewish people negatively. But that's much, much, much less of an impact than any anything good that a person does. Because Hashem made the world in such a way that good stuff, good stuff goes around much faster and stronger than the bad stuff. That's how Hashem's Baruch made the world. That when it comes to good things, it's much, much stronger. And when it comes to things that are negative, Hashem made the world in a way where that darkness is held back. So we are handicapped by the avarice of others to some degree. And our avarice are, are harming others also. But in terms of the tov, the good is infinitely greater than the harm. The ha'oris ha'chaim kulam ha'idah ha'vi'osam ha'atzmes that the tzaddik, it's not just the tzaddik, but an elohim, a God-fearing Jew, his very being, his very existence, has this effect. We always have known this secret. You know, I have these cynical people, like there's, there's this guy that uh, I know he used to always have, make a point to come over to me and to say, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he, he doesn't like that sentence from davening. You know, increased peace in the world. And he, he's always excited about some machlokes that they're having, you know, in, in Satmar somewhere, you know. 
So Tamini Khamab Mishalom, yeah, Mishalom. Of course, this person was Marba Machloikis and Sinna and so on. Tamini Chacham are Marba Mishalom. True Tamini Chacham are Marba Mishalom. But what Rav Kook is saying is that the Marba, they're increasing the peace in the world, doesn't mean that the Tamachachim is necessarily in an observable way that you could see that he's going around like Aaron Akarin making, you know, friends with making people, uh, you know, get along with each other, helping them be, become friends. Talmud Chacham be'etzem haviyosam, a Talmud who sits, he's a God-fearing Jew, and he sits and he learns Torah, is ma'ar b'shalom ba'olam. And, and, and it's not something which just is, a, you know, a line. There's truth, great and deep truth to that. And, and, um, and there is tremendous truth to the fact that, that true Talmud Chacham is sitting and learning in the yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael, and even though it's, of course, a painful divide in it, something those who are going out physically to battle and those who are sitting in the yeshivas. And it's become also a point of great cynicism among secular Israelis, even among many religious Israelis. They say, yeah, 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 the guys are sitting in his man. I would like my son to also sit in the yeshiva. In the meantime, I, you know, I had two kids that were killed, and they're lying in the, you know, Mount Herzl. And, and this guy sitting in his medrash, you know, they think that he's just you know, having a cup of coffee and going for an hour or two. Now, there are guys that are doing that. And they should be on the battlefield. I mean, we shouldn't need to have any confidence. But if there's a if there's a need, then those guys, of course, should be on the battlefield. But that doesn't mean that the true Tamil Chama is sitting and learning. And I'm having shalom by the mamish. So it's the most the most unbelievable. Even even somebody who was so far far away from Tarimitzes like Moshe Dayan, he was so strong in this nakuda that the guys have to stay in this marriage, You know that he had an union like that. He believed in that. That the guys should be that they need, we need to have the guys in the yeshivas. He believed in such an thing. I don't know what else he believed in. That that's between him and Akash Baruch Hu. But he this Indian he he tried very hard. And there are other secular Israelis that are far from mitzvahs, but they saw this as something which is very important. What what creates, of course, that the machloikis is not the sincere guys that are learning. I believe that that almost every secular Israeli, every Jew, appreciates Jews who learn Torah and believes. That the Jews who are singing this measures are Marbim Sholem are are protecting and helping that there be more peace and to sell more peace in the world. The Chilah Hashem is when they see the guys that are not serious about learning, and they're not going to the army. That's the unbelievable Chilah Hashem that's going on. It's an unbelievable Chilah Hashem. When they see guys walking around, you know, in Bnei Brak and Yishlaim at eleven o'clock in the morning with strollers and with groceries and and is dragging around and sitting on benches and you know, and their kids are their kids are in the army. So, Tremendous chilasha, but I think that as far as the guys who are sitting and learning, I don't believe that the that the chilonim have it. I mean, there are, there are people that are very extreme. Stam sunny hatar, sunny hadas. There are people that hate Yiddish kaidashem yirachem. But I don't believe that the typical the typical chiloni non-religious Israeli uh, has tainus against a Jew that loves to learn and is sitting and learning and is an emesatam ochacham and spends his time in the yeshiva. Because the tamid chama marb mishalom barlam. Just by sitting and learning, and davening, and being and being a, 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 a Jew that Shem Torah misses, and not only that, so we're helping that also. The great, the great role that Tamir Chacham play in the entire world, not just in their learning. But the Talmud Chacham, his existence has a tremendous effect upon the entire world. Shal Tzadikim Verakam, the great value of, especially of Tzadikim. 
and he brings a number of Marmakarmis, a couple lines down. Just a couple lines down in the middle of the sentence. Those are letters, letters from Rav Yaakov Moshe Chalab. Writes to his son. His son was Ramechel Chalap. Ramechel Chalap ended up being a rov in the Bronx for many years. He was here in America. Rabbi Yaakov Moshe's son came to America. Maybe he, the grandson of Rabbi Zulun, he shouldn't be well. I just saw him. I just saw him the other day. He was a rov in the Bronx. Maybe Ramechel was in New Jersey or someplace. Maybe I'm mixing up. Rabbi Zulun, the grandson, is for sure in the Bronx for many years, and he's been in YU for many years. But Rav Mechel Chalab was a Rav someplace, maybe in New Jersey. So Rav Yaakov Moshe wrote in a letter to his son, Rak Moshal Kotn Emshal. I'm only sending you, I'm only writing to you a little Moshal. And you, with your clear mind, with your understanding, will, will, will know what this means. You have a big machine. That this this machine, say some kind of electric generator, is bringing light to many many marketplaces or cities. I mean, this letter was written around eighty years ago. So, gam Even big cities are are are, are being are all lit up because of of this of this machine, this generator. And in one little tiny corner of this uh, room where the generator is, there's a human being that's that's turning on the switch. One or two people that are turning on the switches. Very, very quiet. Nobody sees them. They do what they're supposed to do without any, making any noise. And nobody knows who they are. Nobody sees them. And Rabbi Yaakov says, Dav Understand this, what I'm telling you. And he was giving him chizik to do his avayda. And you shouldn't think that you're being inactive or you're not being helpful because you're spending this time of your life sitting in the base of You concentrate on what you're doing and you're turning on lights. That's what you have to do. There's so many people, even people who are Shammah Shabbos, they think the guys are sitting, oh, yeah, I would also like to sit on the, yeah, the, you know, sitting in the yeshiva, what are they doing over there? So, religious people, they think that way. Maran Harav is at So now, when talking about Rav Kook, was Rav Kook at Tzadik Nister, or was he at Tzadik Nigla? Rav Kook is the, Rav Kook is the most unbelievable example of a Tzadik Nigla Vinister. Tzadik Nigla Vinister. And that's why his name was what? What was his name? Not Cook. <laughs> what was his Jewish name? Avram Yitzchak was his name. Cook. That was his name. It was Rabbi Avram Yitzchak Cohen? Rabbi Avram Yitzchak Cohen Cook. Cook. Rabbi Avram Yitzchak. Avram Yitzchak. See, he had these two ways. Avram Avinu was his Sadik Nigla, and Yitzchak was his Sadik Nister. Cook was himself such a person. Avram Yitzchak. And on top of everything, he was a Cohen. The Rav Kook was accomplished unbelievable things. Just the, the amount of the amount of, uh, of projects of of things that he did in the, <coughs> and and, and uh, the impact that he had in a very obvious and 
an open way, so term Rabbi Mesha calls my all the years of his life. From the time that it, beginning when he was when he was a rav in, in Shtetlach in, in Russia, what he was doing over there, came in with the yeshiva and with the mikvahs and cheder and uh, uh, fixing up the whole place right away when he walked in. I will, and then later on, of course, Yerushalayim, that's his cell. I will call Ayla, but all of these unbelievable things that he accomplished, ma'ahem, what are they? Le'umas ha'tav'eira ruchanis ha'neira, compared to the unbelievable spiritual fire. Shabara Bekir, but it was burning inside of him. Ha'perishalo ala siddur, his perish on the siddur, that we have on the siddur, or the shriya, Lohaya perish greed It wasn't just a perish on the siddur. Elakach haisa nearest atvilashalo. The perish that Rav Kook wrote on the siddur, which is uh, which we have here and was reprinted just two or three years ago, the perish that we have on the siddur, it's not just a perish that he wrote on the siddur, it's Rav Kook's davening. Rabbi Yaakim Rosh Chalap Siper, Rabbi Yaakim Rosh Chalap, who is his closest student, says, Kibkai is tough reish pe'alif. In the summer of 1921, uh, yeah, 1921, Rav Kook went out a little bit of vacation uh, to the mountains. And I went to visit him there. And we were talking. Till it was late at night. So Rav is giving us this personal story that he went to visit Rav Kook. And they were, and, and when Rav Kook was was away, and they were talking until late at night. In the morning, I saw that Rav Kook was a little bit was late for davening. The usual way Rav Kook is that he didn't do anything before davening. He, he was he wouldn't do any anything else before davening. But on that morning, on that morning I saw that, that Rav Kook was talking to the, to the Balach Sanya, whatever, the guy that was managing, the, that owned the hotel or the house that he was staying in, the apartment. And that Rav Kook, before davening, was talking to the Balabas over there about plants, about plants, and what kind of fruit trees could be planted in this area. And only after Rav Kook went to Davin. Rav Yaakov Meishe says that Rav Kook being a little bit late to Davening, and then Bechlal talking about this stuff before Davening, it, it was a wonder to me. There have the eyes been Avshi, and I had the chutzpah, Lishol Aserav, Lepeshadav. I went, I had the chutzpah, and I asked Rav Kook, what was that? Shuvaso Haisa. And Rav Kook told me that that on that morning there was burning in my heart a thirst for the living God that I felt that if I would have gone at that moment to Davin I would have died. I had to quiet down the, 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 the flames of holiness and to cause my mind to to settle down. To talk about something practical that was part of this world, to talk about the garden or something. This 
Now, if you or I would say such a thing, it would just get the davening on time. But this Rav Cook said to Rav Akamaisha such a thing that he felt he was going to die. Sometimes you also feel like you're going to die by davening, but for different reasons. After Rav Kook died, and Rabbi Yaakov Marish was saying some hesped, was saying some things about his Revi, Ketzid Bechar of Tafresh Ayin Dalad in the winter of 1914, when he, he joined him on a trip to the Galil, his Sarati Be'emsa Halayla, Rabbi Yaakov Marish says, I, I woke up in the middle of the night. For ruach. I saw that Rav Cook was up, and he was like in some kind of a storm. He, there was some, there was a storm going on inside of him. And he was pacing back and forth across the room that he was there when he was, where they were staying. I was, I was frightened, trembling, and I was. In, in the Saramamti, there was a feeling of Raimamus, excitement, and then all of a sudden, Rav Kook came to me, he saw me, and he took my hand. His hands were cold as ice. But his face was on fire and shining like torches. And from his mouth there, like exploded, like a flame. And he said, Rabbi Yaakov you have to translate that. I am burning with love of God. I'm on fire. Now, Rabbi Yaakov Moshe was so unbelievably good of him to let us in on this secret. You know, no one would know these things because Rabbi Yaakov Moshe woke up in the middle of the night. You know, who would know this? That he left us such a thing that. But we have Baruch Hashem. There are, throughout his writings, there are some autobiographical um, pieces that we have from Rav Kook. There's this amazing Sefer Chadarov. It's a little Sefer Chadarov. I have here in the office, Chadarov, meaning in his room. There are things that, that Rav Kook spoke about himself that, with the exception of Rabbi Nachman, you cannot don't see such a thing today. Uh, that a tzaddik spoke s- something of his inner self. And even then you could see how it was being held back. But the poems that we have and some of his contemplations that were written, we have also from the PSS, not from Eshkai, there's such things. Unbelievable things. So, So one of the things that Rav Kook wrote about himself, of Cook says, do you think it's empty, the, the pain that I'm feeling, that we're not allowed to pronounce God's, the letters of God's name? In other words, Rav Cook was saying, I'm an un, I'm, there's unbelievable pain that I have, that I can't say God's name, the way that it's written. Whatever that means. Plus, he's a coin, remember that, right? So the coin God of the Mesamiktish Yom Kippur, right? Stop in the Mesamiktish, the name of Hashem. And Rav Cook says, the pain that 
that I feel not being allowed to say God's name. Gam ben when he was a when he was a boy of thirteen, he would learn Torah straight for eighteen hours a day. Until the his Rebbe the Nitziv, his Rebbe instructed him that he should instead of learning eighteen hours, he has to go down to sixteen. And even when he was Isaac, as it's not, even when Rav Kook was busy involved with with public matters. He was constantly mumbling and saying Torah while he was doing things. There are a number of autobiographical pieces in Eretz HaTshuva. That he wrote about himself. There are certain tzaddikim there are certain tzaddikim that for them it's unbearable for them and for the world for a second, for even a second to be separated from a state of dveikas alokos from the highest state of dveikas dasha a second without a second Without Dvekas Basha. Hey Margishim is Navsham. Rav Kook writes, for the Tzaddik to be a second without Dvekas Basha, these Tzaddikim, I mean, he didn't say about himself, but he spoke about Tzaddikim. Hey Margishim is Navsham, but for the Tzaddik, he feels a second of disconnection to Hashem on his level. He feels like he's like he's in the depths of, of, the, of the, a terrible sin. And they fix this this fissure, this crack, this this uh, fault through great shuva, through great exalted shuva. Because if there's a if they if they're missing tevekas for a sec, yes, it was the it was the the, the holy rabbis says yotzei was yidalev today's yeah. You're based today, right? Yesterday, yeah, you're right. Yesterday was the Rapshas outside. And we, the, the Rapshas spoke very, very funny things he used to talk and things that would look like. Well, only when he, was, when he was very old, he stopped talking. He would say things that, not just Tyra and Tefillah, he would say things, he would talk to people, he'd say <coughs> a lot of funny things, that, and uh, all kinds of interesting things that we have from the Rapshas. And when he was older, he stopped talking. And when he was a short time before he died, he stopped talking. And his son came over to him. So people they, they thought he was sick, that he couldn't talk. And his son came over to him and said to his father, he says, look, I know you could talk. Like, what's, this, what's going on? Like, tell me, I know you could talk. Why aren't you talking? So his father told him that from the time that I could remember thinking, I never spoke a word that wasn't Yichud, that wasn't where I wasn't Miyachid Shemus of Asha. That I didn't make unifications in what I was saying of God's name. And now I don't have the ability to concentrate like that anymore, so I finished speaking. It means everything that he said. There was Shemus and Gematius and Rashatevis and 
everything he said was Dveikas Bashemi, even though it seemed like he was talking to you about the weather or something, because he was very friendly. There's all the Yechudim and Dveikas, things like that. So he explains. When the tzaddik feels that there's something missing in, in his dveikas, in the Ahava Yira, he already feels there's a tremendous pagam in the Seder Laki that he's damaging. The Seder Laki is damaging somehow what's happening in the world. The Seder of Hashem in the world, that's how the tzaddik feels when there's a moment without Ahava, without Yira. That the world is suffering and falling apart and crumbling. Then Rav Kook says, And the souls of the tzaddikim are longing to always hold on to that midah of the highest tshuva. And fix all things that, are, that need to be repaired. Rav Kook himself Rav Avinir says, it was even higher than this. Rav Kook continues and writes over there, So until now he's talking about Sadiqim. Now he talks about, Rav Kook talks about Sadiqim, the highest Sadiqim. Are filled with compassion and love, godly compassion and love for all that exists. And all worlds and all that exists in the world. Meroishva so from the highest world to the to the lowest thing in this world. The tzaddikim are filled with godly compassion and love. Those who are armed with great gvura, he's talking about chesed so far, right? He spoke first about chesed, virachim, chesed, and then he said nezarim begvura, is gvura. You see, he's going through the spheres. Chesed and Gvura and Teferis. Hey, Margishim, those great Sadiqim al Hey, Margishim is E. Shivoy Hamishka Bamarechas Advekas Amazukakashalah. They feel if there's something imbalanced. It's not enough just to feel the Advekas, they could sense the, in the, the tiniest little imbalance between the Ahava and Yira, between love and fear. They could feel any tiniest little trace of some imbalance in their dveikas. So if Avner explains, Hey, Malayma, Havas Hashem, Yus Hashem. Havas Hashem is Avram. Yus Hashem is Yitzchak, right? Those are the two meters of Chesed and Gvur, Yaakov is Tiferes. That's the balance between Ahava and Yira. Hey, Malayma, Havas Hashem, Yus Hashem. El Shashivu Yamishkal, Ene Maduyak. When there's some sort of an imbalance between love and fear. And then Rav Kook says, This combination, this integration of Yira with Ahava and love, fear and love. And if one is taking over the other, they do tshuva, these great tzaddikim do tshuva immediately to bring things back to the place of Amokim Elyon, there should be. There should be balance. And from that tshuva of the tzaddik, 
it pours out treasures of all kinds of shefa into the world, of great holiness into the world. And they put the balance, the holy balance, in its right place. And by doing this, they repair the limp of Yaakov Avinu. But Yaakov Avinu was limping. The limp of Yaakov means when there's a side... Yaakov is Tiferes, right? So there's Chesed, is his, his grandfather Avram. Gevura is his father Yitzhak. And Yaakov is the one who has to balance those perfectly, which is Emes, which is Tiferes. When Yaakov is limping, it means that they're not perfectly balanced. Something is wrong. And the Indian of Yaakov is to straighten out his walk, that it should be perfectly balanced between the right leg, Chesed, and the left leg, which is Gevura. Hashem loves us even though we're limping, you understand. Halavai, we should just be, you know, even if we're crawling, He loves us. But it says in the Mishnah, you know, Ketchamachlof Ne'akala, right? So there's a, a Shaman Hillel, right? Shaman Hillel, Ketchamachlof Ne'akala. So, Kala Novich Suda. So, beautiful Kala is beautiful, Kala beautiful, but but it says in the Mishnah, Kala Kemoyishihi. Kala, we say to the Kala, you're beautiful. Kala, you say, not to the Kala, you say to the, I mean, the girls can say to the Kala. The men say to the Chasn, ooh, what a Kala, Kala, Novach Suda. And the Mishnah says, even if she's Chigeres, Chigeres means what? Even if she's limping. She's handicapped, even if she's limping. You don't say, you don't say to the, you don't, you say Kala, she's a beautiful Kala. The question is how you like to say something that's not true, right? If the Kala is not perfect. So that's what the, that's what the mission of the Gemara is talking about. So Kala is Afilo Chigeris, even if she's limping. So what does that mean for the, you know, there's something obviously much deeper that's going on that gives such an example of Afilo Chigeris. So there's a, there's a term that's Samach Tzedek, he explains this limp of the Kala. Of course, the Kala is alluding to who? The Knesset Yisrael, to the Jewish people, with the Kala. The Chosn is Hashem. The Tzaddik is the one who's being Mesameach, the Chosn, about his Kala, right? The Tzaddik is always saying good things about the Jewish people to the Chosn, that you have a beautiful Kala. That's what the Tzaddik does. The Tzaddik is always saying to Hashem, ah, you have a Kala Novach Suda. What a beautiful Kala. The Jewish people, your people are so beautiful. That's what the Tzaddik does. So the Tzaddik says, Afilu Chigeres. So meaning even, the Tzaddik says that even if the Kala is limping. So the Tzaddik said, limping means when Elianovi was on Hara Carmel. You remember? That Elianovi came there with the Nevi'im of Baal, right? The whole test that was over there. So the Novi Elio said to the Jewish people, and there was a huge, there was like a stadium or something about Har Kamel. They've set up some kind of a bleachers. I don't know what was going on there. <coughs> well, the people standing on the mountains, all thousands and thousands of people. And, and Elinovi screamed out, Ad Mosai Ad Temposchem what? Al Shnei Asiv. Im Lashem, Luchuakov. Im Labal How long are you, how long are you going back and forth between these two places? Decide if you're a Jew then serve God. And if you're an idol worshiper, then go to Baal. 
said that the emesis of the Barishon loves a Jew even though he has one foot in God and one foot in Baal. That's what he said, even though he's limping. You hear this? We're not all limping? You don't think we're limping? It's not, not, maybe not by Baal, but I have an interest in interest in Baal. But, uh, also have, we also have a limp. One foot is here and one foot is there. One foot is in, in Torah and Mitzvah and the other foot is in Eves. Whatever. Each person's got his own his own place. But that's called limping. And the Tzaddik says to Kaddish Baruch Hu, the Tzaddik says to Baruch Hu, Kala is beautiful. Afilu Chigeris, even if she's limping, even if she's not fully into Yiddishkeit, but like going back and forth. Like a person who has a limp goes sometimes like, goes like this and sometimes like that. He's going back and forth. The Bosh Mahakpedis and Lenovid was so strong with us. He had Kpedis. Lenovid was very strong. So now Lenovid comes to every single bris. He's the Malachi Bris. And Lenovid says about this baby listen, I know that in the future years it's not going to be the way that it is now, you know. By the Bris, everybody's happy with the baby. That's <laughs> one of the last times in his life it's going to work out like that. <laughs> From now on, there are tainas. Even if he's crying, there's a, you know, there are tainas. Certainly later on, when he's a teenager, there are all kinds of tainas. So you know he was sent to be by every bris. So there's that moment of, of absolute perfection. <coughs> and, 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 and it means that the, the bris is engraved. This is a Jew. Hashem says to Elinov, Rebellion, a Jew, a Yid is a Yid. Whether he's got both feet into Elokos, or he's got it's limping, or he's got both feet chalila the other way. Is Hashem will akim for each and every one of them. So, so that's by the bris, such a thing. That every single one is a ben bris. Every Jew, man, woman is a ben bris. Is gemalt, and that's what the din is. The Mar says that even a, that even a Jew who can't have a bris mila, let's say, because there's a problem with bleeding, right? The baby that can't, God forbid, have a bris. So, so he has a, he's still called what a nimel. He's gemalt. He's gemalt. He's still called gemalt. He's circumcised. And he can't have physically a bris because he's not able to physically. But he's called a nimel. He's called a, a, a Jew that's gemalt. But a guy, even if you give him a, a bris, he's called an oral. He's uncircumcised. A guy is uncircumcised. Makes the difference how good he is. He's a nice guy. We like him. Kolakavod. He's an oral. He's uncircumcised. He's not in. He's not in. A Jew limping this, that, he's in. He's gemalt. So you know he comes to, to every bris, such a thing. They say this on a Jew that every single Jew is a ben bris. Every Jew is a ben bris. That's why you see Jews that are not. Bechlaut, no shaykhis to Yiddishkeit. They have no shaykhis to Yiddishkeit. When it comes to the Yiddish bris, Chazal already say, the Jews are careful that that we were always all the years we were this mitzvah b'simcha. Even the angriest secular Jews, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I don't know what's going on so much. Maybe there are people like that now, but I think that they might not know how to get a kosher bris. They have a doctor, whatever. I think, but Jews still still want to have that their kids should get a bris. I, I, I'm hoping that that's still true. I don't know if there if that's changed. Some of you have no. family members that are not religious, or you might know. I mean, I, I know that the people in my family. 
cousins that were not religious, they were very, very mocked. That not only should the kid have a bris, my cousins, I have cousins that are not religious, not only did the kids have a bris, but they they called me up that they wanted to have to make sure that the moral is very from moral. They don't want to have somebody, don't get don't get us a moral that's not religious. What? Not a doctor. Not a doctor. No, I had to had to bring him a moral, and they said to me, make, make sure he does everything the right way, do whatever the right way. So they had they had a kosher bris. With mitzitzah bepeh. The, the Russian boys when they were 18 years old before they left Russia. Couldn't, you see in Russia, you see with the Russian Jews, there was unbelievable mysterious nefesh with the, with the Russian Jews, that even, the, even though they were so far, what they what it was done with the Yiddishkeit, with the Cholzas, they wanted to have an Indian to, have, to, be, to be part of Am Yisrael. So, some of the biggest limitschus that we have on Am Yisrael is this Kesh that we have to the bris, to the covenant, that a Jew feels that if I step, if I leave that place, then it's finished, that somehow, that somehow I'm not finished. I'm not part of Am Yisrael if I leave that place uh, of the bris, and therefore, regardless of whether where a Jew is holding in his in his Avedis Hashem, we're all part of that bris. So yesterday, there was, my wife showed me last night, there's, there were ten children that were killed in a flood in Eretz Yisraelian. She showed me on the computer. That, I don't know. It rained like crazy or something. What happened? Flash, flash floods. I, I, I didn't remember. know. I just came late, last night. I came back at night, and my wife was crying. She said, "You saw what happened? There were pictures of the of the kids. There were, I don't know. They were on a teal or something. Yeah, uh, nine girls and one. And they more. didn't have a chance to run away anywhere. It just started to rain, and then event. they it comes down in a minute. A flash flood. Oh, they were in a wadi. Yeah. I saw there was, they were showing pictures of the rain in the street in Yerushalayim also. I think it was Yerushalayim. It looked like Yerushalayim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Old city, new city. Ruben said there was three. So said that ten, ten, ten of these ten kids were killed. Nine girls and one boy. No, no place for the water to be absorbed, so it just goes. Unbelievable. So I was thinking that it's so wonderful that it rained in Israel after Pesach. When do you get a rain in Israel after Pesach? And then there were ten, ten kids were. And and they're our children. I don't think it was a religious school, but, uh, but it was. Uh, I don't know where they were from. Where was it? it was where? From where? All over. Oh, before the army, Mechina. Yeah, right. Mechina. And when the Maisa happened, and when the Maisa happened with the boys from from Merkaz Rav Cook, I told you that my cousin told me that that, that the Satan Rebbe in in Williamsburg. That Reb Zalman in Williamsburg, that that it was Purim. Remember, it was so. So he said by the tish, he was he was very worked up about it. And he was he was crying. He was very worked up, and he said, "You think those are not our children? Those are inza kinder. Those are our children because they look different from us. Those inza kinder. These are our children." That hergish that a person has to have is that's what it means. Afilu chigeres kala kamaishi. To be Mlamas Chusa and Kalakamaishi that when we say something bad about a Jew, this is the Pasha Pajash Kadashim. This Pasha, you say something bad about a Jew, you should know you're saying to the Chasan something bad about the Kali, you understand? When you say something bad about Lysalak Rachabamach is this parasha. You say something bad about a Jew, you think you're talking to some other person, you're saying something bad. And it's a little secret between the two of you about uh, this and that. It's a little, a little, uh, a little lashon har. You should know that you're saying ma'am to the chassan something bad about the kala. The chassan doesn't take well to that. Because by the chassan, the kala is kamayashi. The kala is beautiful. And you uh, you see all the faults in the, in the kala. You see the faults. It's not your kala. 
Chosen sees the Kala Kamayashi is beautiful, Kala Novchsuda. And you're saying something about the Baron Shalom's Kala. That's what that's Lashon Har is. You can stand there, there's such humorous with Lashon Har and Achilles that you're saying things about the, about the Kala. You're saying something about the Kala. And the Chosen has paid us when you say something about the Kala. That's not nice. You speak about another Jew, you say good things about another Jew. You say beautiful things about other Jews, not, not negative things, not bad things you say. To say something good about a Jew. And with this, the tzaddik is fixing the limp of Yaakov Avinu, the injury of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu is fighting with the Malach of Esav, and he and the, and he was hurt, and he's limping. For Holchem b'Meishar, so that he could walk straight. Ragli Amdu, Ragli Amdu b'Meishar b'Makelim Avarches Hashem that my feet stood straight, aligned, and among other Jews, blessing Hashem. Dalam says, I stood together straight; my feet were straight, praising Hashem. Hashem reveals his secret to those who are Yesharim or balanced. The Tzadikim are Yesharim. That from the precious she'ifas, the longings of the tzaddikim, every Jewish soul is filled with the splendor of life. The effect that the tzaddik has on the entire, on the entire. We look at one sixty-two. Rav Kook was saying that that when you and I do a mitzvah, the whole world is brought. The Gemara says, the whole world is brought to kafschus. Is brought to a be, to a place of that's better. That's what he writes on top. And through every mitzvah that we do, we're adding or Light and Yashua's Rodson Vesayva Tu Pnimi. So in footnote 162. A person who does one mitzvah is a very machriyas alam kula lakav schus, bringing the whole world over lakav schus. Kavisha Kaisev Rambam, the Rambam writes this in the Shuva. Sarakal Adam Shira Atzmo, Kola, everybody knows this Rambam, a person should look at himself the entire year. Kilo chetzav zakev chetzav chayv. Kilo is half innocent and half guilty. He's limping. V'chein kol ha'olam chetzav zakev chetzav chayv. And the whole world is is half half. Chota chet echad. You should look at things right at that fifty, at the fifty yard yard line, and you make one sin. Harei yechvias atzmo. Then you bring yourself, God forbid, to the other side. V'z kol ha'olam kulo lekav chayv, and you you're tipping the whole world over to the other side. And you're causing damage to the world, to yourself and to the world. You do one mitzvah. You tip yourself over to the city of the to the good, to the good, to the side of life, and the the whole world of
You bring for that person himself, for the whole world, you bring Shuva Hatzola. So one of the, this is one of the inyanim that the, the, the Babi Shabbi had in mind when he sent guys to go put tefillin on other Jews. To be machriya himself in the whole world. Besides all the other inyanim that he had with the cheshbonis that he had with tefillin. All the other cheshbonis that he had with tefillin. To be machriya, this person, the kafschus somehow, and to be machriya the whole world, kafschus. That's the effect that a mitzvah has. So a mitzvah Shem, next, next week we're going to be we're going to we're going to bring begin with Eretz Yisrael. Rav Kuk, Rav Avinir, uh, brings us to help to, uh, to help us understand how Rav Kook ties all this together with Eretz Yisrael. That's what we're up to. Shabbos. 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 Shabbos.